Hi, and welcome to Edge Church Podcasts. To get connected, visit our website, edgechurch.co.za, or send us a WhatsApp on 073-0138-426. Say hi, and we'll connect with you. Our full services can be found on our YouTube channel. Today, we're in our Virtue series, focusing on living a godly life. Enjoy listening to the sermon today. Happy Sunday, everyone. It is good to be with all of you today. And we've had an amazing week. Anyone agree? Our week of praying and fasting. Thursday was touch of heaven moment. And I want to encourage you, if you missed our Thursday night prayer service, our praying counter, God did something miraculous in this house. Over 400 people gathered to be in the house of the Lord to pray. And if you missed it, the best opportunity, I know some people were moaning that they had parent meeting and da 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 da. And they were like, can't you talk to your brother to make sure that you sort out what is going on? No, I don't have that power to do that. But we've got this coming. Thursday, our praying uh, counter. We're going to be praying again this Thursday, and I want to encourage you to be there because um, we spoke in last week. I spoke about our vision and direction that we're going for the year. And like I said, we're in day seven of our prayer and fasting. Well done if you are still going. You're halfway. You're halfway. Um, the weekend, <laughs> the weekend, I uh, won't lie, was tough, but I am trusting that God gives us the energy from today's service to go into our Monday and believe in. And with that, I want to encourage you. I believe God's going to do something really significant in this, this time of praying and fasting, and we want to hear what God is doing in your life. So to have opportunities to hear, like Hannah sharing a story of transformation, we want to be able to encourage others. So if God is doing something and there's breakthrough happening, please don't keep it as a secret. Share it with your life group. Tell us to our WhatsApp line. We want to be able to celebrate with you. Is that good? Good. Well, I want to say hello to our online. Before I go into the service, it is good to have our online congregation with us. A big hello to all of you in person. Let's say hello to online that are joining us today. (laughs) Wonderful that we have got an online service that we're able to use. But we are in week three of our series, Virtues. But in a sense, it's really week four. Because when I shared last week on radical resilience, I'm sure you can start to see how starting with this series of of virtues is so in line with where God's taking us as a church for this year and the theme. And let me quickly remind you of, of the journey that we've been on. So we started week one and speaking into the whole thing of a virtue of honor. How God's called us to honor, that it's our our responsibility as believers to live an honorable life. Then in week two, I spoke a message that I believe spoke to many people about don't give up on day six, about perseverance. It's about that virtue of saying, God, I'm going to push through. Because remember, a virtue is something that we do and that we repeat. And so when we repeat it, it forms our characters. And let me tell you, virtues are the things that are inside of us. Maybe we want people to think certain things, but actually virtues is defining who we are. It's not just having the words of saying, oh, I'm a Christian. It's actually living it out. That everywhere I go, I share the love of God and I show the love of God. And it's so in line with our our theme for this year of radical resilient disciples. Because I'm believing that God is calling us to display these virtues to be radical resilient disciples. But today in week three, I want to invite you to come with me as we read out of a portion of scripture. Let me say this message is not necessarily the easiest one to deliver. 
But I am so grateful that God is gracious and he's kind to us as his people. But I want us to read from Psalm 15. And David asks some questions. And he asks in Psalm 15, he says, Lord, who may dwell in the house of the Lord? Who may dwell in the sacred tent? Who may live on your holy mountain? In other words, what David is doing here in this, in this scripture, he's saying, who can experience the goodness? Who, who can be in the presence and the peace of God? Who may dwell with God? And then he answers and he says, the one who walks, whose walk is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from their heart, verse three, whose tongue utters no slander, who does no wrong to a neighbor and casts no slur on others. Who may dwell in the presence of the Lord is a question that has been asked. And the answer is those who live and walk with integrity. And then it continues a verse. In verse 5 it says, Who lends money to the poor without interest, who does not accept a bribe against the innocent, whoever does these things, take note, it says, will never be shaken. For those who who walk uprightly in the fear of the Lord, who, who live lives with integrity, will not be shaken. This past December, I got a a message, and it was one of those WhatsApps that came through that person that went to that one, then went to that auntie, then eventually it landed up coming to me. And it was about how someone, and they were commending someone in our congregation, and that's why they wanted me to read it, about something that had happened. This person lost their wallet in checkers. It was the end of the year. They had drawn a lot of their money because they had put it away for holiday spending, etc., and somehow misplaced their wallet. And so this person in our congregation, and I have much respect for, found the wallet and went through a lot of effort to make contact with the stranger to say, I've got your wallet, da 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 And so this person whose wallet was now found is sending a message to say thank you to this person in each church because they found out they were in each church and had a conversation. And it was a really encouraging message. And said, one of the lines that the person wrote, he says, I am shocked that my wallet was returned, but I'm even more shocked that no money was taken. And you read that and you go, that's amazing. I'm so proud. And, and it really is an encouraging message. But when I read it more and more, I thought to myself, isn't it tragic that we live in a world and day of this age that people are more shocked by integrity than the lack of integrity? More shocked that the money was still there. That we're more surprised by that. And you go, well, maybe no surprise that we're not shocked by this because you open any news, look at, read stuff, you just see that oh, another celebrity, another politician, another church leader, and another, even a family member, that they claim to live one way, but they're living completely. Today, if you haven't guessed it, we're talking about the virtue of integrity. And I titled the message today, The Power of Integrity. And I want to start by unpacking this, by asking us the question, what is integrity? See, it's a good place to actually unpack and say, what is integrity? And I think in order to unpack that, we need to find out what integrity isn't. And let me just start there, and I think it's a very important place that we lay this foundation so we have a very clear understanding. Integrity isn't that I'm perfect. And I want to say this because meaning that if you do something wrong, you can't go walk around and when someone does something wrong and say, oh, you don't have integrity. It also helps us 
Because to live with integrity doesn't mean that we don't do or make any mistakes. Because if that was the case, the only person that would then have integrity would be Jesus. When we talk about integrity, what we're looking at here is what, what we might call an integrated life. In fact, that word integrity comes from the root Latin word integer, which actually means whole. It, it, it's, it means complete. It's oneness. So what would it look like if our lives were like that? Because too often, many of our lives, we live them in little boxes. Uh, so this is there, that's there, and we compartmentalize our lives completely. And so when you, we think about it, we live in our lives like this, and yet what God calls for us is for us to live a life that is whole, that is integrated. I'll show you, because one of the things, and, and, and be honest, we, we all often fall into this. We live our lives, for example, that say we take our professional lives and we see it as we go, right, here's my professional life. Here's the box that I put all my professional life in. Then we have my family life. That's over there. Then we have what we call our social life, and, and that's in a box by itself. Then I have my spiritual life, and, and then there's one place that no one's allowed to see. Well, that's my private life. And so what, often what we do is that we will say, you know what? My professional life needs to stay there because it can't mix with my spiritual life. Because I, I, I don't want to make sure, I don't want to offend someone at work because that I'm a believer, that I'm a Christian. And so we separate it, and in a sense, we sort of like undercover at work. So we don't mix our professional life and our spiritual life. Or then, for example, we can even take our family life. And we keep our family life separated from our private life because you're thinking, no, I don't want the rest of the family to know what we are like or what's happening. And then we can go further and you say, for example, we can take our, our social life and that is really different to our spiritual life because if you know what I do on a Saturday versus a Sunday and then let alone it is completely different to my private life. And without even knowing it, we're living our lives in all these little boxes. And so everything's separate. We view Sundays, that's when we go to church. But then when we leave here and we go into our Monday, no, 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 I'm, I'm not the same person. That's not integrity. This is not what I believe in as we become radical, resilient disciples, what God intended. Can I tell you what his desire was for all of us? Is that it will be more holistic, that integrity is more holistic. That remember, as we as disciples, apprentices of Jesus... Do you know what Jesus wants to do? He wants to take all of your lives and say, actually, I'm across all of this. Your work life, your social life, every aspect. He's saying, actually, it's Jesus in every. Everything is directed and pointed back to Jesus. That actually in my professional life, I'm saying, God, my professional life, that God, you are directing what happens in my workspace. On a Sunday, I don't just leave my Christian duties there. Actually, when I go to work, God, direct me as I go into this board meeting now. Yeah. Then he wants to be able to take our social lives and be able to say, Lord, I'm putting it, I'm directing all of this. He wants to be able to take the core of our, of our family life and be in the center of it, that we're not just a Christian family, that we are family centered around who Jesus is. Yeah. He wants to drive our private life. The things that we think that no one knows, he, he already knows. So when we think that we're hiding, 
the Lord knows what you're doing behind closed doors, believe it or not. I know that might be shock and horror. And he's saying, can I, can I direct every aspect of your life? So if you take it back to the previous slide, I don't know if you can do that, um, media team. Instead of this, where we have all these different aspects that we are living our Christian journey, do you know what he calls when you look at Romans 12 verse 1? He says, this is what I want you to do. Take your ordinary life, your every day, every aspect, your sleeping, your eating, going to work, you're walking around, and place it before God as an offering. So all these different boxes come together, and it's Jesus centered. It is Jesus in the middle. That is the integrated life, all of this, that God is asking for us to live. So what is integrity? We might say it like this. Integrity is when your behavior matches your beliefs. So integrity is what you show on the outside is a true reflection on how you behave and what you believe on the inside and vice versa. Proverbs 10 verse 9 is a beautiful promise of what, when we walk in integrity, look what it says, whoever walks in integrity, walks securely. Whoever is living a life with integrity, scripture says, walks securely. But whoever takes the crooked paths will be found out. Do you know when you've done something, and you know it wasn't right, and all that you have that feeling, and you go, I hope I don't get caught. Now you go, that's not just when you're a little kid, because I remember that so clearly. Oh, I hope mom doesn't find out that we broke the pool. That it actually carries right through, even as adults. Yeah. We might not be a little child scared of our parent, but we might be in a relationship. I hope my partner doesn't know what I'm really like. I hope my, my, the people at work don't know what I'm, what I'm like. Because the thing is that we walk then insecurity. In life, And scripture keeps saying those who walk with integrity walk securely. I've never heard someone say who has walked in integrity, who has gone and done the right thing. I've never heard them come and beg before God and say, oh God, I hope no one finds out that I lived a life of integrity. Oh God, I hope no one finds out that I was honoring. I've never heard that. Only the opposite. Because can I tell you, when something is wrong, it's stressful. So, what is integrity? Is when you, your private life is consistent with your public life. We could say that it's who you are when no one is looking. Because we're very different one way when we're with a group of people versus when we're by ourselves. And this is difference between reputation. There is a difference between reputation and integrity. You see, reputation is something that we want, who we want others to think we are. Where integrity is really who you are. And remember, integrity will be the thing that helps us walk securely in life. So the opposite of integrity is what we call a hypocrite. And that's one thing that believers and Christians that often the world will shout, oh, you're just a bunch of hypocrites. The church is a bunch of hypocrites. One of that's one of the greatest criticisms that come out. Do you know where that word hypocrite comes from? It's actually a Greek word that hypocrites. Now, where that comes from is that I don't know if you've ever seen one of those Greek plays where they have these like ridiculous masks that they keep on wearing on their faces. Well, that is what a hypocrites is. Meaning that there is a different person behind that mask that I'm shown an exterior that is inconsistent to who I really am. 
And it's fascinating when you read scripture, what Jesus speaks about actually that how he goes harder on hypocrites than he does with someone who's a prostitute and an adulterer. He goes harder on those that say one thing but are living differently. And you see this in scripture in Matthew 23, 25. It says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are full of greed and self-indulgence. In other words, your exterior is showing something, but inside is completely different. And then it goes on to verse 26. It says, blind Pharisees first clean the inside of the cup and dish, then the outside will also be clean. What Jesus is saying here in this verse, it's not so much just about what you show on the outside that matters. It is actually what is going on in the inside. And last week I started sharing about what does this mean to, to, be a, to make a difference, to be counterculture missions. Well, it means that if they, wherever I go, whether I'm at work, whether I'm at home, whether I'm with friends, that there is a faithful presence of saying, God, I won't just go where what culture says. I am following you. That is what integrity is, that I am the same everywhere that I am. And do you know what? In order to be radical, resilient disciples, calls for us to live lives of integrity. It's not having our lives in all these little boxes and, and, and separating and going, God, you're not in this box, but you're in that box. No, actually, everything is integrated around the glory, the love, the grace, and the power of Jesus Christ. I illustrate it. There was a home builder, very famous home builder, that worked for a very big organization. 40 years he built homes. They claimed he was one of the best employees that they had, and he did an incredible job. Now, you're working for 40 years. By the time you come to your end of your working career, he was so grateful to be retiring. He had a good run, but he was tired. He wanted to go be a papa. He wanted to go enjoy the retired life. And so at 35 years into his service, he started announcing, five more years, and then I retire. Four more years, then I retire. Three, two, one more year, six months, and then one month. Before his retirement, he was so excited. Everyone knew in the company he was retiring. His boss comes up to him and says, hey, we've been friends for so long. You've worked here for four decades. Can I ask you that you can build one more house for us? And this guy was actually really hurt. He thought, I've been telling you for so long that I'm going to be retiring. Why would you now ask me to do this? And his boss was like, yeah. We've been good, we've been faithful, and, and, and we've had such a good relationship. Please, can you just build this last house? And reluctantly, he said, fine, I'll do it. One more. But his heart wasn't in it when he started building. This guy who normally built the best of houses, now he cut corners like he had never cut before. He, this is not who he was. He, he was gone. He, the job was done so much faster. He used products that were not good. He used subcontractors that actually didn't have integrity. And, and so on the outside, nowhere would have known. But on the inside, it was far from the best of his work. On his last day of retirement, his boss comes up to him and says, thank you for the way in which you're served. Thank you for doing this last house. We don't know how we're going to pay you back for how you've done it. So we thought, this house that you just built is going to be your retirement gift from us. <laughs> you see, the builder recognized what I believe all of us actually need to recognize, that one day, that we are all building our own homes. Every one of us. 
Every decision that you make, every interaction you have, that we are building our own homes. So whether we are being generous with our lives, giving our lives away to others, or we're selfish. No, no, I don't have time. I can't help others. No, I can't. I can't. Or whether we are, we are actually living upright or we're cutting corners. Whether we're showing honor to others or we're being dishonoring to others. Whether we are extending grace or that we're judging others harshly. Whether we're telling the truth or we are changing the story so what it suits us to the way in which we should look. You are building your own home and it's integrity. Integrity matters. Can I talk to the parents? I'm a parent as well, so I speak from a heart with you. Parents, we are building our legacy with our homes and our children. We are building a legacy with them. And what happens in your home matters more than what you could ever imagine. You see, kids are smart. When we think we don't know what kids think or what they hear, as we say that, we'll often look at Rachel and we'll say, your ears are flapping, stop listening. And she's like, I can't help it, my ears are just flapping. <laughs> kids hear stuff. When you're trying to speak Afrikaans, they look here, they pick up even all kinds of stuff. They know when we claim one thing in our house, but then we're different. You know, the fosters were that we can turn our children against God and the things of God and the brand and identity of what it should be, where it should be a relationship and we can actually change it to just religion of ticking boxes, is when we claim the things of God publicly. So, so exterior, we, we, we claim the things of God publicly, but actually we're far from the things of God in our own private homes. You are building your own home. That means that every day, every decision, every interaction you have with people, it's not, oh, let's put it all into little boxes, but actually I'm living a whole integrated life that is based on who Jesus is, becoming more like him so I can actually be with him and then do what he's asked me to do. So the question I ask us is what is your integrity worth? And you're like, what do you mean when I say that? If we are really honest... Many of us actually have a price. There's a point or a price that we might compromise with our integrity. And you're like, Daniel, never. I will never compromise on my integrity. There is no price. Well done. Your halo is beautiful and it's shining bright and we are very happy for you. But, I wanna, but, but the truth is, if we're really honest, we have to ask ourselves what is our integrity with. I could put it this way and state it in this way. What would your actions say about your integrity? For example, if you lie on a CV to say you earn a certain amount of money, then your integrity is worth whatever you stated. Or if you falsify an expense or a report or you embezzle something at your work, well, then that's what your integrity is worth. Maybe you take a ream of paper home. Well, your integrity is worth that ream of paper. Maybe it's cheating on an exam to get a better grade. That's what your integrity is worth. Maybe it's uh, you exaggerate a story uh, so that we can feel better. Maybe that's what it's worth. Maybe your integrity is worth 500 rand. Because that is what the subscription of a Wi-Fi is of someone else that you're stealing from your neighbor. And their subscription is 500 rand and you somehow hacked their thing and you've got free Wi-Fi. 
Or maybe your integrity is worth 99 rand using someone else's Netflix account. <laughs> what is your integrity worth? Maybe <laughs> it's even 65 rand. Because when you go to the Two Oceans Aquarium and they say, is your child under 12? They've got a full-grown beard. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> They're just a slow grower. They're developing slowly. We laugh because many of us, when I say to you, your halos, no, I don't compromise. <laughs> well, and you go, maybe the, these examples are silly, but the truth is what I'm trying to empathize here is that all of us, what is our integrity worth? Someone said to me, a school teacher, and it was something, it was a situation that happened in the class, and it was a statement that I was reminded again. They said, if you have integrity, nothing else matters. And if you don't have integrity, nothing else matters. Psalm 139, I'm going to invite the team up. Psalm 139 is a verse that I want to take us to. And I invite you into this moment because it's a very powerful verse. And actually a very powerful prayer that I'm going to read. And it's incredibly difficult to actually pray this prayer. So I invite you to read it with me. Psalm 139, it says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That line, search me, God. Know my heart. Are there any parts of your life that you have boxed that Jesus is not in? That actually today he's saying, can I search your heart? And the reason why this prayer I said is so difficult to pray is because the heart is actually deceitfully wicked. Scripture actually says this in Jeremiah 17 verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Like, like who can really understand what is going on here? Because the truth is our heart often will lie to us. So I'm going to ask you, are there any areas in your life right now that if you were open to the Holy Spirit's prompting? That might need some correction so that you're not living boxes, but instead you're living an integrated life. There are three questions that I want to lead us to. You'll recall that last week I spoke about radical resilience. Radical is going to the root. It's, it's meaning we're going to the fundamental, meaning that it's not necessarily easy conversational topics. This is one of them. Three questions for us to reflect on, and can I encourage you to write it down so you can take this into your week? It's number one to reflect on is anything in my heart. Question number one is where are you most defensive? Because what I find is that where I'm most defensive often reveals where I'm most vulnerable. What are you most defensive about? No, 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 I wouldn't do that. And No, why are you calling me out on this? Why are you even questioning my relationships? Second question. What don't you want others to know? Are there areas that you're hiding that you don't want other people to know about? Remember, these are not easy questions. But there's an invitation from Jesus in Psalm 139 for us to go. 
And then the third question, are you ready for it? Probably not, but I'm going to give it to you. Number three is, where do you criticize others? Because often the area that we criticize most about others is one of the areas that we most are insecure about or struggle with. Oh, look how ridiculous she looks. I can't believe she's even wearing that. She looks ridiculous. Maybe we're insecure about how we are looking at the moment. Oh, they're fake. They are fake. They're always so happy. They're always, they always cannot have their life together. Maybe we also put up a pretense. Search my heart, God. Know my heart. Test me. Search if there any offensive way in me, not others. Even if you're listening to this and you're going, hey, but you should be doing this and you're thinking of, stop thinking about anyone else and just reflect on your own heart. Because what do you do when God actually then shows you that the outside that you have been living is very different to what's happening on the inside? It's to go to this prayer of Psalm 139 and search me, God, is to pray and then listen. Acknowledging any area, maybe you exaggerate stories so that people will think that you are better than who you are. Maybe you talk really bad about people to make yourself feel better. Maybe it's gossip, but then you make it sound spiritual. Oh, I must just tell you about this lady. You know, she did this, but we must pray for her. So I must just tell you what's happening. That's gossip. You can try and spiritualize it and make it sound so wonderful. You're still gossiping. Maybe it's your taxes, you're cutting corners the way around and trying to do this. Or maybe you're claiming a spiritual life. Quickly to call others, the people out. I, I'm, I'm like this, I've been in church for so long. You, you serve in, you claim a certain spiritual life, but inside you know. And the truth is your family also knows that your heart is cold. I encourage you to go before God, someone that says, search my heart, God, know these, all these things. And then to do four steps. Number one, acknowledge. Is there anything in your life right now that you need to acknowledge before God that is not integrated, that actually you're keeping God separate in your private life because you're too scared what he's going to think about what you're doing? He already knows. Your work life. You claim a certain thing and you're doing so well in your work, but your relationship with Jesus is so far. What is it worth? You're not taking your work to heaven. So acknowledging. Then number two is to confess. Confess it before God. And this is where I want to encourage you. Why I keep on speaking about that integrity is not being perfect. It's actually acknowledging, Lord, because we all struggle. Even prepping this, I was like, Oh, there's so many things I need to confess. That I, I've left God out because it's actually, it's sometimes too difficult to face some of these things. And then to confess and say, God, forgive me. And then do you know what? He does. He forgives you. Amen. When you confess it, he says he is faithful and just to forgive those who confess. And he cleanses you. So you confess. And then number three is you let God just love you. So too often we go, I must confess and then I must, I must do this, this, and this, and this. But actually miss a step yeah. to actually just sit in the love of God saying, my child, 
thank you for being honest. Now let me just love you. Because can I tell you, because out of that place of love, that motivates you to go, you know what? This is actually not about this rule-bound thing. It's actually because he loves me so much that I want to be able to obey his commands. If you love me, you obey my commands. And then it takes away that thing of, oh, here comes God with his lightning bolts from heaven and, and he's some book and he's going to make sure that I get disciplined for this. No, actually he's saying, I love you and I've got a better way for you. This is not about duty. This is not about religion. This is about a relationship with a father who loves you. And then number four is you repent. Because repent means to turn around. The RE means to return and paint. What is the highest part of a building? The penthouse. To return to the highest. To actually go, I'm going to make a change. But then what happens if the area that the Holy Spirit has convicted you to change is that when you look at it, you think this is so difficult. If I need to change this or I need to confess this, this is very challenging. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if I, when I come before and I, and I say to my partner, actually, I want to be honest with you, or God, I'm just going to completely not hide that I'm a believer at work. What is actually going to happen? Can I tell you, when those are very challenging moments, and you're thinking, I don't know how to do it, I often will say to myself, God, help me as I do this. I'm going to do what's right, and I'm going to trust you, God, with the results. I'm going to do what's right and then trust God with the results because what I've discovered is that your integrity is easier to keep than it is to recover. It's tragic when people look back and they're more shocked by integrity than the lack of it. But in the very same way, God shocked the whole world when he sent his son while we were still sinners. When we didn't deserve it, Jesus sent, uh, God sent his son Jesus to this very earth to go and say, I will take away their sins. And even though they don't know what they're doing, he said, God, I forgive them while he hung upon that cross. And in that very same way, I'm believing, may we be a radical resilience that actually shocked the worlds that we are in. That people will look and, and actually by our integrity that we have and the love of God, they will look at us and maybe they say, well, I don't believe in your God. I don't believe in Jesus. But actually they go, but I believe there's something different about you. That I believe the way that you love, the way that you have integrity, the way that you honor, the way that you persevere. And maybe that will lead them to Jesus. And not have our lives in I'm a Sunday believer. No, I'm a lover of Jesus on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, when I'm at my party on Saturday, when I'm at church on the Sunday. I live a life of integrity. That is what I believe God is calling for us. This year as we go into radical resilience, a life of integrity. Because when we know and have integrity, there is power. So come on, will you pray with me? Father, we pray that as we sang that song this morning, all our hearts need a surgeon. So right now, every single person, you recognize that actually most of us, in fact, all of us in this room, 
there's work that the Holy Spirit can do in our lives. So God, search me. Wherever I'm being inconsistent, wherever, wherever I've been a hypocrite, Father, I ask for forgiveness. God, thank you for your forgiveness to us. We ask that you would direct our steps, that we would live lives of integrity, that we would walk with the wise, that where we are at work, how we are with our family, how we are with our social life, how we are in our private life. Father, that we would show and share the love of God. And right now, if you are saying that prayer, Lord, search my heart. Show me. I want to be open to what you're saying. If that's you right now and you're praying the prayer, we just lift your hand and acknowledgement and changing your action. And actually, it should be most of us. My hand is lifted as well. Saying, Lord, search my heart. What do you need to confess to God? And we ask God that you would show us, as you transform us, that God would, that as you forgive us, whatever we've done wrong. Help us to be centered around you and be empowered by your spirit, not trying to do things in our own strength, but by you, will you direct our steps. And as you keep praying today, some of you might be saying, oh my word, Daniel, when you talk about this, I look and think of my life, it's just a mess. Everywhere it's just a mess. If I think about it, everything is so like in boxes and there's my friend's life, there's my party life, there's my church life. Everything is just in boxes. There's no Jesus in my life. There's a head knowledge, but no relationship. What does God want for us? That he would shock you with his love that he loves you so much no matter what you have done no matter how far you're from him he loves you and he wants you he was God in flesh Jesus the sinless son of God perfect in every way the one who became sin for us on the cross and took our place and then God raised him from the dead so that anybody and this includes you doesn't matter how bad your life is. Anyone who calls on the name of Jesus, your sins will be forgiven. That you'll be completely new. And today, if you say, I'm far from God. I've done some things that I'm really ashamed of. Just confess it to him. Because God forgives your sins. He makes you new. The old is gone. So right now, if you're saying, I need forgiveness, I want you to pray this prayer. Heavenly Father, forgive my sins. Save me. Make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit so that I can follow you. You direct my life. All of my life. Every aspect. In my workspace. In my family life. In my social life. In my private life. Father, you direct my life. In this moment right now, I give you my life completely. If that was you, you prayed that prayer this morning. All eyes are closed. I would love to to pray with you as a pastor of this house. If that's you, won't you just lift your hand and say, Dan, I prayed that prayer this morning. Hands are going up. Amen. And you can put it down. You say, I prayed that prayer. Father, I thank you for each hand that has gone. And I thank you that there is such a celebration in heaven for those who came to know you. And Lord, my prayer today is that for us as a church, 
Edge Church, you are calling us to step into the radical resilience in what you are asking of us. And I'm praying that we would be known as a church that walks in integrity. That, Father, it's not just words that are spoken, but that in every aspect of our lives that we would show and we would share the love of God in every aspect. Father, I pray that we wouldn't be so surprised by the lack of integrity, that everything would be so different, that we would live a life where we would shock the world by the integrity that we carry as believers. So I pray you would strengthen us. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. And God's people say together. Amen. Come on, let's give God praise for His goodness, His grace. We trust you enjoyed listening to the sermon today. We would love to stay in touch with you around your next steps. Please send us a WhatsApp or contact us via our website. We'd love to help you on your discipleship journey.